The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, happy new year. Welcome back to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast, along with Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff. I am Mark Slareth. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Core Water. I tell you what, I love this water. I mean, clean, crisp, award-winning taste, pH balance, 7.4, matches your body. If you're making a New Year's resolution like me to get into shape because I am super fat, I'm, I, Mike, I haven't been this fat since I've retired. I'm close to 270. Like, I am, I'm close to, two, like, I could make a comeback. That's how fat I am right now. Well, after watching the Denver Broncos offensive line all year, I think you'd be equipped to step right in and tackle a pass rusher coming around the left side. <laughs> you know what? I could probably do I that. I think you could do that. Uh, I, I, I'm certain that I could tackle people. Um, anyhow, that, so if your, news year, if your New Year's resolution is like my New Year's resolution to, to not be as fat as I am right now, um, God, I hope you're not as fat as I am right now, because if you are, you are a big tub of lard. Uh, use Core Water to hydrate yourself and to help yourself lose some weight. That's Core Water. Check out at hydratewithcore.com. So you went out for Mexican food last night, didn't you? Oh, my God. Yes, was was that a one bowl of chip night for you? <laughs> you know, where you do the whole bowl of chips by yourself? Yeah. Well, was it just one bowl? We, My wife and I had two bowls. Okay, um, I've seen your wife. We eat. didn't. Okay, and we didn't go through all both bowls, but if I was doing uh, for every one chip she had, how many chips did I have? Kind of assessment of the situation. Sure, um, I would say for every one chip my wife Lisa had, I had at least ten. <laughs> a ten so, to one ratio. At least a ten to one ratio. So I would say that I had. I'm going to say a full bowl and a quarter for me, where she had a maybe a quarter of a bowl. Plus, she probably took smaller chips. You probably went for the bigger chips right away, too. Yeah, I just, like, I'm like, you know, you remember Sesame Street when the Cookie Monster would eat cookies and they just, it would be like cookies, cookie crumbles and pieces would be flying all over. That was me eating last night. <laughs> it just was like. At one point, we just looked. I was done with my meal, and she had. We had cheese enchiladas, like the big, you know, it's a big, crazy New Year's Eve, you know, enchilada fest. And both of mine were gone. I had pretty much licked the plate, <laughs> eaten the beans and rice. She still had a full enchilada and, and rice and beans left. And then I'm just looking at it. She's like, I hate. I like, I eat fast in case you can't eat, and I can still finish yours while it's warm. Right. You know, so. That's uh, called yeah. swooping. My my wife created that term. She goes, "You look like you're ready to swoop." I'm like, "I am ready to swoop." I'm as soon as I'm like as soon as term. you give me the okay, the green light, I'm going to swoop in on your leftover. Right. So now you're just looking at her like you're, you. She wants you to gaze lovingly into her eyes right. while you have a conversation. Right. And eat, and your eyes are only fixated 
on her food. That's right. Like, I'm, I'm gazing lovingly at the enchiladas. Right, exactly. At what point, like, there comes a point in marriage when, you know, you stop looking at your wife like, you know, like you're, you're like you're, you're not looking at her like when you when you first start dating or you're first married, you know, and it's all about you guys' love and your passion and all that stuff. You're just looking at the food <laughs> like it was your wife when you first got married. Right. Like, right. Exactly. Right. Like, oh, my gosh. I can't wait to get out of this restaurant and just, you know, ravage my wife. And you're like, I can't wait till she's done eating so I can swoop down and pound that enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> marriage. <laughs> oh shoot! You better, Unfor- you better you know, hope she doesn't listen to this. Oh my god! But you know what? It's just true. Yeah, it's it's true. like it's just honest. <laughs> Sad, Sad, but true. But true. That's right. So all you, all of you youngins out there who are young and love and can't wait, to, can't wait to. to Here's you know, what's, go through the nuptials. Yeah, here's yeah. what's waiting for you. Yeah. Here's what's waiting for you. Well, here, boy, did did Black Monday once again live up to its billing, huh? It's been oh. since 2011. There's been an average of seven coaches fired per year, and this year we exceeded that with eight. Right, and it may not be over the, yet. I mean, there's still question marks about um, – Jay Gruden in Washington, um, he came out today or Monday and said that uh, he's not 100% sure if uh, he is going to retain his job. So that'll be, you know, that'll be really interesting. But eight firings, you know, and, and, you know, theoretically speaking, Mike, when I look at the firing, I mean, I think there's a couple of things you look at. Like, if you're a head coach, like if you were the man, like, let's say that that like the most coveted guy out there right now, if there weren't restrictions and if he would have been released or if he was tradable and the trade value was, you know, a a fourth round draft pick, like every team would line up for John Harbaugh. Right. I mean, there's not one that wouldn't say fourth rounder. Here you go. And so if you, if you were in that situation, you had your pick of the litter, like one, you want stable, you know, stability from an ownership standpoint, and you want a quarterback, right? And, and you'd like to have a good roster, but if, if that were the case, if those were kind of the parameters, unless I'm missing something, I, I would have to think that right now, as currently constructed, Cleveland might be the number one choice out there of the eight openings. I mean, how crazy is that? Over Green Bay? Well, I mean, I, I think there are some I think there are some issues from a leadership standpoint with Aaron Rodgers and did Aaron Rodgers get Mike McCarthy fired? And there have been some criticisms from former teammates and other th- and other people out there about Aaron Rodgers as kind of a quote unquote leader that you would I think there would be some concern um, in Green Bay and, and and frankly, Mike, I think I think when I look at the Cleveland Browns, I think their roster is better mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. So that's kind of that's kind of I mean that's probably why I would put Cleveland ahead. Um, why well, I would put Cleveland ahead of uh, at this particular point in time ahead of Green Bay? Yeah, you go to Green Bay. The expectation is you're 
you're supposed to deliver a Super Bowl right away. Right. Whereas Cleveland, you know, they they were ready to throw a parade because they nearly finished above 500. Right. So you've you've got some more room to grow there before real expectations, expectations come, yeah. yeah, crashing down on you. Yeah, I, I I think so as well. And I, you know, I, I mean, I just think obviously Baker Mayfield is a guy that you know, I mean, he gets he he has a list and he'll put you on it, you know, and he's like anti Santa, you know, he's making a list and checking it twice and. And, um, you know, is going to find out if he needs to block you on Twitter or not. <laughs> I don't think that rhymes. No, but. But, but you know, I mean, that's kind of where he's at. But he uses that chip on his shoulder to his benefit. And having done one of the, the Browns games, he's the unquestioned leader there, man. They they love him. And, and I'm telling you, he deals with his teammates that way. He's not, I mean, he's excited. He's fun. He loves playing football. But, you know, he'll rip those guys. Like he holds him to a standard, and he shows he shows up to that standard. I mean, it, I was thoroughly I was thoroughly impressed um, with him as a football player um, from his leadership, you know, skills, his leadership qualities, and, and all of that stuff. He was, you know, he was exceptional. Any of the firings surprise you? I, I'm thinking mainly Adam Gase in Miami. No, I, I, you know what, frankly, Adam Gase is going to be a very coveted kind of hot commodity. And, um, I think Adam Gase is probably happy he got fired. Mm. I, I, I think that Stephen Ross, the culture down there, um, and I've talked to a lot of players, former players that have played there. They're just like, you can't win. The culture down there is, is terrible. And you just uh, gets the most dysfunctional culture. You can't win down there in Miami. And, and you know it's it's crazy, Mike. Of all the Friday practices I've ever gone to, and I've gone to a bunch in the last two years calling games, the worst Friday practice. And I told Adam that's the worst Friday practice, any Friday practice I've ever been at. And you know, and, and here's Stephen Ross. You walk on the field, and there's you know thirty dudes in business suits at a Friday practice watching practice, milling around. Because they've been invited by the owner to come, you know, hey, come look at, uh, it's like, uh, you know, it's like selling tickets to the zoo. Come look at the zoo creatures, you know. I, it, it just is, that that part's a mess, man. And um, So if Cleveland's the most attractive of all the job openings, is Miami the least? Yeah, Miami would be, you know, Miami would be on my list of probably bottom dwellers simply because of, of the culture of the Dolphins, which is, you know, I mean, you can hate me if you're a Dolphin fan. You can hate me if you want to, but I'm just, I'm just kind of quote unquote reporting one what I've seen and two, you know, what guys have told me. You know, former players that played there, like you can't win in Miami. It's a, it's a mess. So that's a cultural issue, and I don't know how you fix that, Mike. You know, I don't know. Like, if, if you come in as a coach and you say, okay, I'm going to fix this culture, and it's not supported by ownership, then that is, um, you know, it just isn't – I don't care who you are. It's it's not going to get fixed. I'll tell you the other organization, and this pains me to even say it, that would be one of my – if I had my pick of the litter, it would be one of the last ones I would, what would pick would be the Denver Broncos. Mm. I mean, ownership – up in the air are they going to sell it is you know are they going to be able to hold on to the the broncos until Brittany bowen um is capable what happens with the lawsuits i mean the 
you know, the Pat Bowen's brother Bill Bowen has a, a suit with, uh, you know, um, with Beth Bowen, uh, the, you know, his his uh, niece uh, against the Broncos, and then um, you know Annabelle Bowen, Pat's wife, has a suit against them. I mean, you want to talk about instability? The owner, and 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 will the will the league say in two years from now will the league just say, hey, you guys need to sell this organization because none of the Bowen kids are ready to take over? Like, because Brittany Bowen, the one that looks like she should, should have the capability and has worked toward that, she's only 28 years old. So that part's that part's a mess. The roster's a mess. Um, you know, you don't have a quarterback. Uh, your offensive line is atrocious. You don't have a tight end. You don't have a number one receiver. Like, at least in, with the Jets, you have your, quote-unquote, future franchise quarterback or Arizona or you know, bills. At least you feel like you, you've you've already addressed that. Whether those guys are going to be ultimately be players or not, I have no idea. But at least you feel like you've addressed that. And yeah, we have holes. Arizona's offensive line is horrible. And yeah, we have holes on our roster for the Jets and all that stuff. But at least you've addressed that one issue. The Broncos haven't addressed that. They 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 you know they went out in the offseason got themselves a band aid um, in Case Keenum. Well, if that doesn't tell you how this is all a quarterback's league, because you, you look, you rank these jobs in terms of attractiveness based on the idea that you either have the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. somebody who is regarded as still pretty solid, Andy Dalton, or at least the, the potential of all these young quarterbacks. Because you're right, we don't know if any of them right. are going to amount to anything, but at least there's the potential right now, which buys a coach time. But then look at the two most unattractive jobs Denver and and Miami in your mind you got Case Keenum and you got Ryan Tannehill who who many people have already made up their mind about Tannehill that you know he's he's just another guy right and and I think that's you know from a stability of ownership I I think would be number one and then who's your quarterback and you're 100% right I mean those would those would be the two It's hard to say that. Isn't right? it? Hasn't it? Hasn't jobs? Is it? Is it ownership first, then quarterback? Or I? I think I'd still argue that it's quarterback then ownership. Yeah. For what you're walking into. Uh, yeah. I I'll think take so. my chance with ownership if I'm convinced I got the quarterback. Right. Well, yeah, because then you're gonna, you know, if you have a quarterback, you 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 can walk in there and and hopefully win right away. So I, I mean, I could see that. You know, I could I could see that. I I know you need stability at the ownership position. You know, um, and. You know, I think that's, I think that's a really important thing. But um, as you mentioned, it is a quarterback-driven league, and you got to have, you got to have a guy. You know, you got to have a, a guy that, you know, ultimately you got to have a guy in in the tough situations, in the clutch situations, the off-schedule situations, um, third downs. You have to have a guy that can make a play. You know, you have to have a guy in those situations that can stand up and and make something special happen. Um, and if you don't have that guy, you know, I mean, you can have a dude that, that if everything goes right, I mean, Case Keenum's a case in point last year with Minnesota, when you're playing stellar defense, you have the best third down defense since 1975 and, you know, and you're running the ball and you're getting a lot of attempts and you've got, you know, a, a middle of the field tight end in the red zone that just eats people up and eats up space and two outside receivers that are exceptional. You don't, you know, it, you you stay on schedule. You're in short down and or third down and short all the time. I mean, you know, you can have that magical year, 
But, um, you know, much to your credit, and you said it all along, you know, there's a reason that Minnesota isn't interested in bringing him back, and they kind of know what they got. And he had that, I mean, he just had that year where, you know, he was like a, a, a muggle that went to Hogwarts and got a little magic for one year. One year magic granted. Got a muggle drop already. 2019, yeah. not even a day old, yeah. dropping muggle references. The best, the fun, the most fun thing about these coaching vacancies and the searches are the names that are popping up that teams are interested in talking to. And to me, the, the funniest thing is the, the teams are in a rush to talk to Zach Taylor and Sean Waldron. Mm. Who the heck are Zach Taylor and Sean Waldron, you ask? Well, Zach Taylor's the quarterback coach for the L.A. Rams, and Waldron is the passing game coordinator slash tight end coach for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Boy, do you think these teams are hoping that, you know, a little Sean McVay residue has uh, right. rubbed off on these guys? The, what is the passing team coordinator? What is what is Passing game, game coordinator. coordinator. Yeah, what, what, is is that? what does that do? He, he's like, hey, Sean, uh, yeah, yeah, what is it? Uh, where do you want to throw it? <laughs> you want to throw it? Yeah, we're gonna throw it. Okay, great. Is that coordinated? Yeah, you just Sean, coordinated. Yeah, Sean, what's the play call? We're gonna throw it. Okay, I'll coordinate that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, of course. You know, here's Sean McVay, and I've told you this before. I've told you this on this podcast before, man. I sat down with Sean McVay in a production meeting. I walked out of that going, I've accomplished nothing in my life. I'm a loser. <laughs> like that dude is so sharp and. He is so dynamic, and, and you know, I, I've always believed that one of the best qualities to a head coach, one of the best qualities he can have and, and one of the qualities he needs, he needs to be able to command the room. He needs to be able to command his audience, whether that's his team sitting in front of a team meeting, his coaching staff sitting in front of the coaching, one-on-one with a, a member of his team, one-on-one with a coach, um, and with the media. Can you command the message? Can you sell it? Can you? Are you authentic? Do guys buy into it? Do you inspire guys? Like, I've always said this about people in general. Like, there's two types of people. Those who, uh, you know, there's two types of people. that Those who uh, energize the room when they walk into it and those who energize the room when they walk out of it, right? He enter, He walks in. It, the room is energized. And I've, I've met with coaches who walk out and think, oof, thank God that interview's gone because that dude's wet blanket, you know? I've been on both sides of that, uh, both sides of that coin, Mike. And Sean McVay energizes the room, and you're you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Like when when Sean McVay interviewed for, I think he was the tight ends coach with the Washington Redskins when Mike Shanahan took over. I talked to Mike about this because I was you know I was meeting with Sean, um, and I was studying film over at Mike's house with Mike Shanahan, and I was going to go meet with Sean McVay, um, you know, l- later on. I think on Saturday or something. Um, anyhow, it doesn't matter what I was calling it. I was calling the Broncos game. And, you know, interestingly enough, um, Mike said, you know, I interviewed him. He sits down in my office. I am go to interview him. He starts talking, and he goes, I knew I was going to hire him within 30 seconds. Like the interview was, you know, usually you meet with a guy for an hour or whatever, and you 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 mull it over and you think of whatever, whatever. He goes within thirty seconds. He opened his mouth in thirty seconds. I knew I'd hire him. Like he's that dynamic of a of a human being and a coach. And so you're trying to get that, like you're trying to get that, like I hope a little, I hope a little Sean McVay rubbed off. You know, I hope he the the scent, the musk. I miss your <laughs> musk. He ought to create, you know, he ought to create his own line, his own fragrance. 
OC by McVeigh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He had just McVeigh, McVeigh, the essence of offense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> McVeigh. See Charlize Teron, you know, Teron, whatever her name is. Yeah. Charlize walk out of the water, right. dripping in gold, just going McVeigh. McVeigh, the essence of the vertical passing game. Oof. <laughs> Sounds good though, doesn't does, it? Does yes, right. And that's what that's what these teams are hoping for. They just want a little bit of that Musk. They want a little McVeigh magic. But you can't. You you got to be so careful. It's like all the people that have made the mistakes hiring the Belichick assistants. You know, they keep thinking they're getting Belichick. Right. You know, and they realize there's only one Belichick. And you right. got to be careful when you're thinking that you're going to tap in and get the next McVeigh. There's only one McVeigh. Yeah, you know, and that's and here's the thing too about that. You know, you walk in, you stand in front of your you stand in front of the 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 meeting room, you know, and you try to be Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Like you try to be something you're not, and players just read through it, you know. People start asking you, you know, to break it down like, "Okay, remember uh you you played in week 6, you played, you know, the Broncos and it was third down and and 6 and you guys you know, from your own fourteen in the second in the second quarter, what'd you guys run? And McVeigh would go, "Oh yeah, we ran that uh, jet sweep there with uh, you know with Robert and uh, Robert. We faked it to him, and then we ran the bubble screen over to the left side to uh, Cooper Cup, who got a first down, and you know, and then you're gonna ask the assistant, and he's gonna go, huh? <laughs> oh, uh, we, uh, we we ran a play. Sean called it, I think. Uh, he called a play and. We ran it, and uh, I don't know what the result was, you know. So, yeah, I mean. Does it, do, does it bug you that this, this is – and this is, an org, this is a league-wide thing where it just seems that when, when, a, when a team has decided to fire a coach that was one kind of a coach, meaning he was a older, established uh, type guy that they, they now decide that the next guy needs to be young and dynamic. And if you right. just came off firing a first-time head coach – who was supposed to be the next big thing and wasn't, now it's all of a sudden, well, we need to go back to finding, you know, the grown-up in the room. We need to go find right. one of those old-school type of guys. Is that, did that bother you that a team that just made a mistake with one type of coach doesn't seem to have the nerve to go right back to that same kind of coach? Yes, uh, because it it's not about it, – it's really not about age. Just like – you know what's funny? Uh, and I'll give you – an example of this, and you'll appreciate this. So Vance Joseph just got fired as as the Broncos head coach, and so I'm doing a um, I'm doing the Broncos Rams game, and I I both sat down with Vance Joseph and I sat down with uh, Wade Phillips. Now Wade Phillips, as you know, is in his 70s, and Vance is early 40s, and Vance had referred to Wade Phillips as his his coaching football father. Because Vance was underneath Wade Phillips with the Houston Texans when Gary Kubiak was the head coach. And, you know, he he really learned a lot about defensive philosophy from his guy, Wade Phillips. Okay? So that's that's the story. One of the reasons you hire the young assistant is because, you know, owners are stupid enough to believe that because you're young, it means that you can communicate with young people. 
You know what I'm saying? They they feel like, wow, he's you know he he's more apt to communicate with the millennial generation because he's young, and so and the owners are that dumb. Like, I know they're billionaires and stuff, but you know they're they're not always the brightest dudes. Like they know business, they know how to make money, but they're all not always intelligent when it comes to how to manage a football team. Okay, so the the, the assumption is because he's young he'll be able to connect with the players and he'll be able to talk in their language and stuff. So we're talking to Vance Joseph and he's like, oh yeah, I talk to Wade, you know, pretty much every week. And, you know, we send a few texts and stuff and he goes, and and he goes, yeah, but Wade's always got like all these emojis and stuff. And half the time I don't know what they mean and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The 70 whatever year old is sending you emojis and you don't know what they mean. And you're the 40 year old and you're the one that's supposed to connect with the millennial generation. You can either communicate or you can't communicate. You either connect with people or you don't connect with people. You're either in the relationship business or you're going out of business. That's the way it works, and age has nothing to do with that, Mike. Speaking of emojis. Yeah? So Antonio Brown, it's come Mm. out that Antonio Brown got uh, upset with a teammate, skipped practices, skipped meetings in advance of the Steelers' final game of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, They end up missing the playoffs, by far the most underachieving team in the entire NFL this year. And so uh, George Kittle, San Francisco 49ers tight end, sends out a tweet at Antonio Brown that just says, Sup? And Antonio Brown responds with a smiling emoji with stars in his eyes mm-hmm. as if like yeah hey i'd love to come to san francisco and play with jimmy garoppolo and george kittle what do you say let's make it happen right yeah well i would say to george kittle be careful what you wish for because <laughs> you're a real live football player and um you know you'll make sacrifices and you'll block people and you'll do those things and, you know antonio brown you can say whatever you want and Listen, everybody's crushing Antonio Brown, and rightfully so, because, you know, he's acting like a spoiled baby, like a petulant child. Now, I'm not saying that Ben Roethlisberger hasn't acted like a petulant child and thrown some teammates under the bus and things of that nature, because he has, okay? But more than anything, like, uh, more than putting this on on Antonio Brown, I put it on Mike Tomlin. Well, you created this. Like, Mike Tomlin has a mantra. Inside that building, I know it to be a fact. Um, and, and that mantra is, is this. He always says this, like, I'm going to put up with it until I can replace it. Like, what the hell does that mean? So I'll put up with you acting like a total and complete turd, a selfish turd, because you're that talented. And it, I can't, until you are no longer good, when you're no longer good, then I'll replace you? Like, I'm not going to hold people accountable. I'm just going to put up with it because you're really talented. Like, what kind of what kind of motto is that? I mean, like, that is, I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. So you've enabled your superstar receiver to act like a selfish, petulant child. And this is not the first time, Mike. This is not the first time he skipped meetings. Not the first time he sat out of practice. Not the first time he's shown up late to something. Not the first time he's not shown up to practice. Like, this is a trend that has happened, and you've never done anything with it. The reports were that, that this happened last week, the last week of the season. you got to win a game against Cincinnati to have your playoff 
you know, hopes stay alive and, and you're hoping that Baltimore loses and you win the division. Like this, and Mike Tomlin didn't even address it? Well, like you may- talk about like an ostrich bearing, or is an ostrich you bury your head in the sand? Like, like you don't even address it with your team? Like, we're not going to put up with it. We won't tolerate this. You know, Antonio Brown, you, like you're dead to me, whatever it is. You, you don't even talk to your team about it. Well, it it's obvious that the Steelers need to move on from Antonio Brown. They, they haven't won big with him. They continue to underachieve with him. Juju Smith-Schuster has established himself as a, a number one type receiver. So there you go. You found somebody to replace him. And But I think the bigger question is, is it time for the Steelers to move on from Mike Tomlin? I right. mean, if this guy continues to let this stuff happen on his mm-hmm. watch, and for, for many of us, we can point to it as a, a direct reason why this team continues to underachieve, as talented as they are, then why is Mike Tomlin still in charge in Pittsburgh? Right. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I think ultimately, Mike, you, if because the Steelers don't fire coaches. I mean, they've had what three coaches in since the seventies, right? Yeah. With uh, be careful, and, you're going to box yourself in then with that kind of thinking. Well, I mean, that's no my my my. The only way you can fix this is, you know, Mike Tomlin has to sit in front of his team and say, man, I have made some serious mistakes, um, and, you know, that's 100% on me, and from this point forward, I'm going to fix those mistakes. And that means I'm not putting up with this crap anymore. That means benching guys, because ultimately the only way the only way you take care of a guy who's got that selfish attitude is you just don't let him play. You sit him down, and you know, and he's a healthy scratch, and and that's a hard thing to do when you have the kind of talent that Antonio Brown has. But you know, Mike Tomlin has got to be able to do that, and and if he won't do that, and if he's not going to fix that, then yeah, you do need to move on. So anyhow, as far as Antonio Brown is concerned, hey, it'd be nice to just say, hey, we're going to trade him, we're going to move on. J.J. Smith Schuster's great. Washington has really you know exploded on the scene. Um, but again, you've paid a diva wide receiver, what, $22 million. He's like something like that, that his cap hit will be like, who's going to jump on that bandwagon. Who's taking that? Like, it's going to be hard. I I would assume it's going to be really hard to trade it, Mike, but well, we'll deal, we'll deal with the playoff teams a little bit later on this week. Steelers aren't one of them, but we have wild card weekend. Yeah. Yeah, Wild Card Weekend coming up, and you and I will be back later on in the week to make our Moneymaker Picks and uh, discuss where we finished the season mm. at on Moneymaker Picks. I have no idea because I don't a pay any attention. A lot of suspense. Yeah, a lot of suspense. Uh, hey, do yourself a favor. This new year, make it your resolution. Look at your wife like you look at an enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> and then pound that enchilada. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> For everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, I am Mark Schlereth, Mike Evans, Scott don't tell our, And don't tell our wife yeah, about this uh, podcast, please. Yes, please. Please keep it to yourself. Uh, for everybody involved, man, Happy New Year. All the best to you. Blessings to you and yours. Thank you for listening to the Stinking Truth Podcast.